Hi everyone, welcome again back um, to our Faith Talks, where faith, real life, and recovery collide. So um, I'm here again with Sammy Hodges from, he is the um, pastor at Asheville United Methodist Church and Evergreen United Methodist Church. Hello everybody. My name is Shan, I'm the recovery pastor here at Trustful First United Methodist Church. I feel like I've just said first in church about a million times. You did. So, okay. So, today's topic um, is something that I know many people can relate to, and it's the serenity prayer. We're going to do the short version, which is God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, before we jump in, you want to pray us in, even though I just said a little prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Let's do that. We thank you, Lord, that no matter where we are and no matter what's happening in our lives, you give us an opportunity and place always to find ourselves in you. And so we come today thanking you and praising you uh, for every blessing of life. We pray that while we have this time together uh, talking about prayer and talking about peace in you and talking about resting in you and talking about what it is that you grant to us during those times uh, that you would just help us stay focused uh, help Shannon and I get on topic and Lord that somehow some way what we say or what we do will mean something significant to someone that will bring someone into closer relationship and greater relationship and greater understanding of their relationship with you in Christ's name we pray amen Amen. And I think I said relationship about a million times. You, did, you did. We're good. We're, we're even. So a little bit of, of back history. The serenity prayer is not in the Bible. It is not from the Bible. It's not like the Lord's Prayer. It was written by Renhold Neuber. And I actually hit the pronunciation a couple times so I could hear that to make sure. He was German. So I'm sure all my German friends, I just butchered that and I'm, I apologize. So he lived from 1892 to 1971. This prayer was written in the 1930s. It was published in 1951, and it was um, adopted by 12-step groups like AA and other groups. Um, it has actually become a prayer that I think many people now, um, they, they kind of cling to that prayer. Maybe not as much as they do the Lord's Prayer, but they, it's definitely a prayer that they cling to. Mm -hmm. So there's five points we're going to try to break down in the time we're allotted. <laughs> you think we can do it in, in the time we're allotted? I think I, we'll have to I, go overboard a little I bit. I just said a small prayer while I was saying that just to see if we could actually do that. But um, So the five points are, first, God. Then grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So the first point, God, coming into his presence, coming into his throne room, how we approach God. My first thought is humble heart. Mm -hmm. that, that's my first, but I think it's the posture of prayer. And it may not always be our physical posture. It may be our verbal posture. And um, about five years ago, uh, I was talking with a friend, and it was in the jail ministry, and we were talking about prayer. And she said, oh, I just talked to him like he's a friend. I was like, 
okay, well, you can lead us in prayer. She went, yo, God. And I <laughs> cringed. I was waiting on the lightning to strike every one of us down. Yeah. I get that was her, her every day. That, that's how she talked to people. But my knees buckled just a little bit when she said that. <laughs> yeah, I can get that. Yeah. So what, what, um, what are your thoughts? Well, when I, when I think about just that, that one word, God, I, I don't think of just a concept. I don't think of just um, something that's out there in, in the, the world we can't see. I, I think of the word relationship mm-hmm. because God's always in relationship to someone else. Right. God's not just something that's out there just doing nothing or just sitting out there waiting or watching. Uh, God's always in the Bible been in relationship to humanity. In fact, the very first time we see God, God is developing and building a world and a universe for humans to live in. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, We get to the sixth day of creation in the Bible and it says that God made man his own likeness. And so there's no way to think about God other than also thinking about being in relationship with God. And uh, uh, you were talking about being humble. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my wife and I used to do this thing when we first got married, when we would make a trip to Walmart, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I would always uh, put things in the buggy Mm-hmm. that were not things that she wanted me to put in the buggy <laughs> or not things we could afford. And so I would walk up to her, not very humbly, but I would look at her and I would go, these are my demands. <laughs> and I would lay out all these things that I wanted. And and the humble part comes here. She would say, now, how much are these? And I would go, $2. <laughs> and the truth is, I only wanted one of those mm-hmm. things. I only wanted the thing that was really only about $2. But I would put all these other things in with it. We don't have to do that with God. Right. All we have to do is be straight up with God from the get-go and say, God, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because God already knows. Yes. So there's no way you can can get past that. Uh, People say, don't ever lie to God. You can't lie to God. You lie to yourself when you try to lie to God. God already knows that need and already knows that. So we approach God much the same way we would approach someone that we're in a good, strong relationship with that we know we can trust. Mm -hmm. That no matter what we do or say, they're not going to look at us any differently than they do right now. And talking about the presence, uh, I always thought about it this way. It's not just us being in God's presence, but something major happens when God's presence is made known to you. It's whenever He comes, God comes to you sort of like being in your presence, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. There's something humbling about deity, about majesty, about royalty coming and sitting down with you Mm -hmm. at the same table and saying, hey, let's be friends. And I think about scripture from Genesis where it says, in the cool of the day, God walked with them. How awesome is that to know, okay, the sun's going down. God and I are gonna like have a little stroll and talk about the day. Yeah. That just, to me, that, that one vision, just, I can get lost just in that one thought of just God that. coming to us yeah, and, and really wanting to be with us in unity, in a relationship, in life. Yeah. Um, Jesus uh, uh, paints this picture, the author of Revelation, I should say, paints this picture of Jesus as a person who stands at our door knocking and waiting mm-hmm. for us. Uh, we, we liken that a lot of times to, to salvation, and we use that a lot of times when we're offering people an opportunity to come and confess Christ. But well, the way I think about it is this, is that God is standing at the door of everyone, 
knocking and waiting for this one thing. He doesn't say, I'm going to come in and I'm going to save you. That's not mm-hmm. what he says. He doesn't say, I'm going to come in and I'm going to upend your whole life, even though he, he will upset your apple yes. cart. He says, I want to come in and I want to eat with you and you eat with me. Mm-hmm. And in that time, in that place, in that world, to sit at the same table, to, to eat food together and drink together meant that you were equals and you were friends. So yeah. God is offering us an opportunity for relationship, for friendship. And when you were saying that, I thought of the, the hymn, Softly and Tenderly, Yeah, Jesus is calling. And I see him you know, barely tapping softly, like no one else can hear him, but it's just enough to get our attention. Yeah, yeah. My wife used to wake me up when we first got together, first got married, um, and, and she would be so quiet about waking me up she would she would just barely you know she didn't want to disturb me or think she's barely barely touched me and barely move you know get up get up and she finally figured out after a while that i was not going to wake up unless she raised that voice <laughs> and let me tell you what this humble modest meek person that i married all of a sudden one day this get up came out of her mouth and i hopped to it so sometimes God will softly and tenderly poke at us until we get there. And then one day, uh, God's going to gib slap us in the back of the head and say, wake up, man. Yeah. So. I, I just want to remind you, we, we are recording this. So Linda's going to see this. Yeah, so just going to remind you of that. And There's the disclaimer. Absolutely the most perfect person in the world <laughs> she that God ever wonderful. created. And we can edit part of that out, can't we? <laughs> Let's go on to section two. (laughs) Thank you. What a segue. (laughs) Grant me the serenity. Yeah. Oh, when I think about this, I think of God, give me a new vision. Give me a new perspective. Take away the distraction. Um, Cover me with your peace, mercy, grace, forgiveness, just new lenses. That's what I think about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A new way of looking at whatever is happening a new perspective there's a book by an author named andy andrews and if you ever get a chance to read this uh, there's two of them particularly one is called the noticer and the other one's called the noticer returns uh very very good guidance for life and how to live life but one of the things he talks about is that everything that we deal with in life boils down to a matter of perspective Mm -hmm. that we can look at the same situation from a different angle and understanding in a different way and get a whole different take on it just by changing the position and the way we look at it. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting about that is, you know, when God looks at us, you remember the old song, God is watching us yes. from a distance. When God looks at us, we always get this picture of God hovering and looking down yeah. at us. Uh, and that's the way people thought about it in the old world. Kind of like was, us looking in a terrarium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was God over and above us. Yes. Um, but what I think is really cool about the idea of perspective is, when we're looking at a problem and we're looking at an issue and we're looking at a situation and we're staring that thing in the face, Mm -hmm. that's one perspective. But when we bow down on our knees, whether it's physically or it's just in our heart, and we put ourselves in what I call that prayer position, you know what I'm talking about? That prayer position, uh, we get a whole new perspective on whatever's happening because that time in prayer and that time spending with God, that serenity place you were talking about, um, gives us a chance to look Mm-hmm. from a different perspective than we were before. Yeah, so. and in, in recovery, we tell them that it's it's hard to have a different perspective when you're emotionally attached to the situation. Absolutely. Versus someone outside of the box that is not emotionally attached, and they're trying to give you clarity 
yeah. about some actions, reactions, things like that. So that's two different perspectives right there, not just in recovery, but in life. If you're emotionally attached and not emotionally attached, I think yeah. which goes back to the different levels of our faith walk also. And I think, I think that's, that's why it's always good to have a place a recovery place you got mm-hmm. like you guys here at trustful uh a celebrate recovery whatever it is you're doing to recovery because you will have people hopefully real people who will be real with you about mm-hmm. what they see in your situation yeah. and what they see in your problem obviously they, they're not going to fix you you can't fix anybody no, only God but what can they do can do is help you get a different perspective yeah. on what's going on and you can probably see a different perspective on what's happening with them so. mm-hmm. and then as you grow through your different seasons we find that you end up turning around helping someone else get their new perspective. Well, that new perspective always leads then to a new understanding. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because you can see it differently. You understand it differently. It's like the old story of the blind men and the elephant. Mm-hmm. You know that story where uh, you have three blind men and they've been presented with an elephant. Obviously, they can't see, so they're feeling with their hands. And when they're asked to describe it, uh, one blind man had felt only at the trunk. And so that blind man says, well, you know, an elephant is long and slender like a snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had the other blind man that, that only saw, only was able to feel the, the side of the elephant. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you know, the elephant's big and huge like a wall. And you get to the third blind man who only got the tail. And he goes, oh, there's not much to the elephant at all. <laughs> yeah, no, so, the tail's so, tiny. So it's perspective, mm-hmm. exactly. It's perspective on where you are looking at that problem situation that brings you that new understanding. Absolutely. So once we come into asking God for serenity, give us the new perspective, we go into the third point, which is to accept the things I cannot change. This is hard because we want we we see potholes in the road. Mm-hmm. We want to avoid them. We want to help other people avoid them. But some people go barreling down life's highway at 110, fishtailing, <laughs> and um, we we can't change that. I tell people um, when you're when you're helping somebody in the recovery process, whether you're a sponsor, accountability, accountability uh, partner. Sometimes it feels like a slow motion train wreck and you just wish that God would stop everything where it's at <laughs> so you can run in and fix it and then step back and let the train wreck finish because we know we know best. But <laughs> there are things that we just, we cannot change. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think about the most that we can't change is, is we try to change it, but you really cannot change a person's opinion about yourself. Right. Another person's opinion. And when I say that is we try our best to do that. Uh, a lot of people go through this life and all they are is worrying about what other people think about yes. them. Uh, and we know it because we go look in a mirror and we look at ourselves and we try to make sure our hair is perfect and we try to make sure our clothes are just right. Uh, uh, we, we, we worry about that, that image. And a lot of times we can change our image of ourselves mm-hmm. through help with God, but we can't change the image other people have about us because, because it's not important enough. Because somebody asked me one time, uh, they were telling this story to me, they asked me one time, was I concerned about what other people thought about me? And I remember this old man told me one time that it's not anybody, it's not my business right. what anybody else thinks about me. Uh, it's, it's not a factor. And what matters most in life is more, and it's the one thing that you can change, is what you think about yourself. And the way you do that is spending that time with God and finding mm-hmm. out what it is He thinks about you and what it is He says about you. And that, my friends, is something that will also never change. Mm-hmm. God will never be able to look you at you with any less love 
than he does right now. You know, I tell people too when they're when they're making decisions, and they're not always the friend friendly decisions. Yeah. Um, because even though we love people, sometimes we have toxic people, and we have to say goodbye, we have to distance. Yeah. Um, I tell people that in this lifetime, the only thing you leave behind is your name and how it's known. Mm-hmm. And for for that to happen again, people only see your actions, mm-hmm. your reactions, your walk. Mm-hmm. And we have to walk with a confidence of who we are because mm-hmm. of whose we are. That's right. Well, what usually happens with that is even oftentimes the people who don't care too much for you or like you will often have to admit that there are things in your life that are good about you and often have to admit those things. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to care for, for your personality. It doesn't mean right. everyone's going to care for the way you do things or what, what you represent. It just means that you have the confidence to let God be God inside of you. I guess what you're saying is there's a, a respect level of, because if you're real in your walk, yeah. you are who God made That's you. Right. It's not like you're trying to front or right. win the popularity vote. You, yeah. You're walking out what God has in front of you. I think also the point is is that that's not something you're going to be able to change. It's something that they're going to have to change yeah. themselves, how they view you and how they see you. One other thing I think about is we're asking God to grant us the serenity to do a specific thing, to accept those things I can't change. And a lot of times we end up getting stuck on those things. Um, One of the things I do is I do wild goose chases. Mm -hmm. And my wife accused me of this a lot. My mother-in-law accused me of this a lot. My sister-in-law, all my family, my parents, everybody knows I go off on wild goose chases. And what that means is when I get my mind set on something and getting something done or accomplished Mm -hmm. or fixing something, I will go after it full force and will will sit and think and wonder and get stuck all the what is on how in the world can I can I get that done and they call it a goose chase because I will go all the way around the world and back mm-hmm. again to try to get that one thing done and my wife in her infinite wisdom will look at me and say just just stop yeah. Just, just give up. And you have just to quit. do that. Something you just have to and, and lay it's, it down. And it's not the important thing she tells me to quit on. It's those goose chases. Yes. And what happens is when we concentrate only on those things we can't change, when we get stuck in those and things. And we're spinning wheels. Not only are we spinning wheels, but we're kind of marring ourselves down. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of build out a rut for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what is it they used to say about a rut is just a grave with both ends dug out. Yeah. So, That's all. Yes. Yeah. So we're asking God, just help us to accept... The things around us, whether they're decisions or actions or whatever, just when I think about this too, I think of God, just help me to love them right where they're at. Yeah. Regardless of all the other, just help me to love whoever right where they're at. Yeah. Because sometimes that is the best thing we can do. Yeah. Sometimes not only is it not only the best thing we do, it's really the only thing that we know how to do. Because mm-hmm. uh, most people out there in our lives aren't scholars, aren't great big theologians, aren't psychologists or psychiatrists. There aren't these people that know all these wonderful methods and practices. Sometimes all we can do is just simply love somebody and let God do the work in their lives that Absolutely. needs to happen as, as it can. Uh, one of the things I think about is, is John chapter 14. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, he says, my peace I'm giving to you. 
not like the world can give you because there's there's peace temporarily in mm-hmm. certain things uh sometimes uh, you you will go out and you'll buy something and while you're there in the in the time of buying it you're like oh i love this this is great you're sort of at peace with it then you drive off the lot or you walk out the store yeah. or you get home with it and the first thing you experience is that word we hate buyer's remorse and yes. and, and so that's the type of peace the world gives to you it's temporary when the new wears off, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not enjoying it anymore. But the peace that Jesus gives us is what the Bible also calls a perfect peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hebrew, it's peace, peace, which simply means double peace or perfect peace. It's that perfect perfection of peace. And he says, my peace I give you. So we're talking about asking God to grant us serenity. Mm-hmm. And there's an actual biblical example of, of Jesus, of God incarnate, giving his people serenity right yeah. there um reinhold neighbor by the way he, he was also a theologian i don't know if you knew that or not Mm-mm. so every bit of the serenity prayer even though we don't find it listed in scripture uh we find all those concepts mm-hmm. in scripture from one from one verse or another and it, it's very easy to follow through like the serenity prayer because we identify with every single part yeah every part yeah so except the things i cannot change and this, this sometimes is a scary part, the courage to change the things I can, because this means sometimes we're going against the grain. We're going against mm-hmm. the norm. We're stepping out and standing alone sometimes. Yeah. Um, there, there are so many people that, and I can't remember the exact phrase, um, when you, you're given a dream, but you don't chase it, yeah. that's really the only true failure. Yeah. It's because it was there. It was yours. Mm-hmm. God gave you that vision. And God gave you that possibility. And that possibility. Yeah. Everything was there. But fear... Kept you back. Kept us. Yeah. Captivates us. Yeah. Imprisons us. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that is we will work as hard as we can, sort of like the wild goose chase story. Mm-hmm. We can work as hard as we can on something that we can't change. Yeah. We will, we will go to the ends of the mm-hmm. earth. We will stand up boldly. We will tell people any number of things. Uh, we will work as hard as we can on the things we can't change. But when we find those things that are changeable, we've wore ourselves out yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually on those things we can't change. And when it comes to the things that we can, not only do we not have the courage to do it sometimes because we've been so worn down by those yeah, things we that we can't, that we just don't have the energy and the strength yeah. to change those things. So not only is God giving this this peace of mind, this understanding or new new perception, new understanding of what we're dealing with, but at the same time, that presence with God and praying recharges us and rejuvenates us and helps to give us that courage yeah. and that boldness to, to do change the things that we can. I've, I've heard so many people say they went to the altar week after week after week and it was something they could not change we cannot fix people only god can do that so instead of going and and praying god just help me fix them help me show them help me instead change the prayer change the perspective Mm -hmm. to god just give me the words to point them to you yeah give me the actions give me the love of from the heart that just points them to you yeah almost like you're talking earlier the the mirror just let me reflect enough so they see you yeah 
um, my, my dad's pastor, um, her name is Donnie Glass, and her husband Roy was the pastor of their church before he passed away, and she has become the pastor now. Well, early in their marriage, she was a person who absolutely loved God, absolutely was devoted and dedicated, but but Roy was, lack of a better term, a hellion. I mean, he put her through a lot of situations. He did a lot of stuff, uh, and she prayed for years in their marriage that God would do something because she recognized she couldn't change mm-hmm. for it. She couldn't do anything. There was going to have to be a, a situation, a time where God and Roy got together. Yeah. And you know what happened is God and Roy got together. He gave his life to the Lord. He became a preacher, and he, he pastored uh, a good bit of, bit of my life. He pastored on up for a number of years, and he passed away. And even though he's passed away, the church that he pastored is still going. Donnie has taken up the the, the, the sort of the mantle, so to speak, or the, the, the reins of that and begun to lead it herself. His grandchildren and children are helping in that frame. And just about all of his children and grandchildren either are in church, come to church, or, or sing in church or do mm-hmm. something like that. And it's a testimony to her accepting the fact that she couldn't change that. Right. But the thing she could do was change herself. Mm-hmm. And she did that in prayer, talking yeah. to God. And, and so the prayer shouldn't be, Lord, change that person. Or oftentimes, sometimes even change that situation. Sometimes the prayer has to be, God, change me. Mm-hmm. Which comes back to our posture of prayer. Yeah. Change me. Change, yeah. change my role in this. Show yeah. me, grow me. Remove me sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes we're the, the ones that are in the way. Yeah. And then the last part, this is... Well, the, let me ask this one question first. I hate to, to backtrack, <laughs> but what is something that we can change? What's an example of something that we can change? Even the most minute thing that you can think of. Anything about us. I can change my actions, my reactions. One of the things that people will tell you about me, <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad yet. Probably shouldn't record this, but... You know, I am who God go. made me. So here's one for the blooper reel. So one thing that people I think will unanimously agree is when my heart is convicted that I need to stand still. Maybe that means I just need to stand in support of somebody. Maybe it just means I need to stand quiet. But when I feel like I'm not supposed to move out of a situation, mm-hmm. I don't budge. Yeah, And it... Uh, it doesn't matter to me if God leaves me there for 30 seconds or 30 years mm-hmm. because I know my heart has been convicted to stand, to stay right where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it may be that somebody's going to speak life into my situation or somebody hasn't came yet that I'm supposed to speak life into their situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much where I get very stubborn. And, and I will wear that with a like a bag. Like an honor badge because I know God has convicted my heart. Yeah. Now, if I second guess that, oh, no, that's not from God. Mm-mm. There's an old African proverb that tells a story about this one ruler of a tribe uh, getting ready to conquer another tribe. And in this story, this old African story, it's a folk tale, um, he tells them, he, he puts all these, these uh, burdens on them, things that they're going to have to do to keep him from conquering them and, mm-hmm. and, and, and taking the, the people captive and, and, and harming them. And, and in the process of the story, he requ- every request that he gives, they do. And then he says, I want you to take this great mountain and I want you to bring it to me as a gift. And so 
they don't know what to do because they're not going to be able to, yeah, to move this mountain. mountain. So that's an example of one of those things that you cannot change. They right. can't move that mountain. But what they do is every single person in the village gets together and they have these mats that they use to carry items and carry yeah. things with and they hold them up and they stand around the base of the mountain and they send a messenger to the king and they say to the king, uh, we are here, we are ready to bring you the mountain. Can you please bring us warriors to lift it? Oh, so it shifts the... Yeah, and so so we have to remember that there are things we can't change, but we can also talk to God and say, God, I can't move this mountain. But by golly, Lord, if you'll lift it, I'll do my best to get it. Yeah, your servant's here. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Just just tell me, give me directions. I'll Mm -hmm. do it. Um, and you were talking about those incremental changes of things that we can change about mm-hmm. ourselves. Uh, you, you can you can go to the salon and you can have highlights put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to the to the um, uh, to the uh, plastic surgeon have Botox put in mm-hmm. different places or contacts. things tucked and sewn up. You can put in contacts that change your eye color. But at the end of the day, or or after a few weeks, that hair color grows out and it's the same color yes. you used to have. Uh, you get tired of the contacts, your eyes get get weary and they get infected yeah. and you pull the color contacts out. It's the same color they were underneath. Yeah. You get all the Botox and all the injections mm-hmm. and then people can look and all the nips and tucks and see pictures of who you were underneath there. You're still that same person. Yeah. You just may look a little different. Uh, those are things that we say we can change, but we really fundamentally can't. No. But what we can always change is how we react to something. If we just work on it one thing at a mm-hmm. time, one day at a time, we can change our own reaction. Yeah, because the DNA is still the same. That's right. We are all still children of God. The enemy calls us by our sin. That's right. But God still calls us by our names. Our names are written on his hands when mm-hmm. he was crucified. He still calls us precious child, yeah. wonderfully made. And in the beginning, you know, God created and he said it was good. So regardless how the enemy tells us we're bad, we're horrible, we're worthless, go back to Genesis. God said his creations are good. That's exactly right. Now, here, here's the thing you said earlier when I don't know if it was during this broadcast or if it was the time we were just talking back and forth. <laughs> um, you said that um, that you were basing all this on Proverbs twenty twenty four. Would you just yes. kind of share that a little bit so that we can, because I think that kind of speaks to that just a tad bit. Yeah, so Proverbs twenty twenty four. All right, let's see. A man's steps are determined by the Lord. So how can anyone understand his way? Mm-hmm. And to me, that goes back to when God convicts my heart and I have to stand, I can't move. It's, mm-hmm. it's like physically I want to move, but my soul is like, mm-mm. You better sit still. <laughs> Don't you budge out his obedience. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I want to remain in his obedience. One of the things I always tell people is people always look for and want to see what the direction is from God. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what we really mean is is we're praying just to feel good about the decision we've right. already made. And so I always tell people, if you ever think you've heard God tell you anything and you're praying about doing something different and you don't get an answer, you always hold on to and concentrate on that one thing mm-hmm. that you're pretty certain you felt like God was leading you to do yeah. or telling you to do. And you do that and only that until you get another leading. Absolutely. Because what will happen is we'll go off on that. And what we'll do is we'll try to pray to feel better about whatever decision yeah. we've already made. When, when really we should be just seeking God. To go along with that is Proverbs 3. 
5 through 6 that tells us we should trust the Lord uh, with our whole hearts, not lean on our own understanding, mm -hmm. but in every way of our life, acknowledge Him. Mm -hmm. That means to, to, to think about the serenity prayer in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. How will it touch everything? In all our ways, acknowledge Him in prayer, and He'll direct our paths. And I He'll tell, make those changes as they're needed. I tell people, too, if you're prayed about something, once you have peace about it, then act. If you're still thinking about the what ifs, yeah. don't move yet. Yeah, there's so there's such a big difference though in peace and in just feeling good about something. Yeah, the feel goodism yeah. it'll it'll because because when you get that peace, that's one of those things where you know this has to be from God because mm -hmm. this can't be something that, that 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 came from me. Right. The feel good thing is just whenever all of a sudden we we pray to this point where all of a sudden our emotions are good and we feel charged and we go, okay, that must be the answer. When God's sitting there going, if you just waited just a little bit longer through that emotion, uh, the answer was there. You just didn't wait on it. You, you, you yeah. kind of jumped the gun a bit. Or in some of our cases, uh, when God would say, if you just shut up talking and hear me speak, yeah. you know, that that's, yeah. but that brings us to the wisdom to know the difference. Absolutely. That new perspective, again, decisions not on emotions, but with peace and clarity. Sometimes that may mean going to, um, you know, your church mama, your church dad, your church grandmama, your church granddaddy, and just getting that outside perspective of somebody that's probably been there, done that. When I was about 15, 16 years old, I know I was old enough to drive, I decided I was going to grow a ponytail. And what I decided was, y'all, my hair does never grow long. It grows up and out like a mushroom. Um, um, <laughs> We're going to need to see pictures. I decided I was going <laughs> to, there's not anything, God. I decided I was going to grow a ponytail. And so I really, really was sort of this, this hybrid between a ponytail and a rat tail. <laughs> or like this ponytail, rat tail, God forbid, um, um, uh, what is the haircut with short in the front? Mullet. Mullet, yes. Uh, uh, what is it, business in the front, party in their ear? So I wanted to grow this ponytail. And so I grew it out, grew my hair out, and I was pulling it back in a rubber band. This top part would even come back, and I had this ponytail when it was also done. <laughs> about this long is what I could pull it into. And I was so happy, and I was so proud. And as time went on, I got it this long, and I remember getting it all bound up into the ponytail and walking into church and wearing it, and all my friends, man, you don't need to wear that. That's stupid. You just look <laughs> crazy all my friends were giving me trouble about it and uh some of the older people in the church some of those church grandmothers and granddaddies that i trusted and loved they can't they kind of did the same thing you know it was like oh you shouldn't have that in the church and the pastor i was telling you about donnie she came up to me and uh and, and was standing there while all these people were around me in church in the in the, the, the fellowship hall or the foyer of the church which is now their fellowship hall just berating me for it. I mean, it was, if, if, if I hadn't been raised there my whole life, I would have walked out the doors. Yeah. And uh, this person said, it's disrespectful. And somebody else said, it's, it's, it's not godly. And they kept saying it's not this and it's not that. And I remember she walked up to me with all the love and the grace in the world. She goes, let me see, Sammy. And I turned around and showed it to her. And she, she oh, this is nice. What did you use on your hair? And she goes, it's not disrespectful. She said, no, it's not ungodly. It's just not Sammy. That makes and a whole difference. She was able to speak life into me in that situation. Yeah. She let me know that it wasn't me, that it didn't look right on me. And when yeah. she said it, it hit me. Because when the people were talking about being disrespectful, I was wanting to be at this sort of rebel, you know, challenge mm -hmm. thing. You know, so what if I've got long hair, Jesus to love me, which is true. But the thing was, 
is that all of those people were doing it through a legalistic standpoint, trying to get me to change myself, when all she did was just look at me and say, you know what, that's not you. Which is an example of you were chasing something you saw in the world yeah. that you thought mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. But she's like, mm, yeah. it just doesn't fit you. Yeah. It's so just not. All those people weren't using wisdom when how they approached me. Right. When she walked up, she had the wisdom to look at that situation and say, it's not any of those things. You people are crazy. It's just not him. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, wisdom is sort of using that new perception and that new understanding in a way that, that, that does change those situations, in a way yeah. that does help not just us along, but those people in our lives along. And, and that's a prime example of speaking to somebody versus at somebody. Yeah. So I, I think we are way past our time limit because our little thing up there that's showing us our time has actually gone blank. <laughs> it's gone to sleep on us. We so, have bored it to death. Yeah. So, as we wrap up this time of talking about faith, recovery, real life, and a couple of uh, probably blooper moments we've just donated, um, just remember, no matter where you're at, what you do, speak life, be a blessing, put your faith feet into action to cause a ripple effect. Until next time, much agape, everybody.